Thank you for joining us. This is episode one of the Amateur 3D Podcast. A podcast by amateurs for amateurs, where we'll be sharing our thoughts and experience. Our panelists today are myself, Frank, and my friends, Chris and Andy. So what have you guys been working on this week? This week I put together a, uh, a tray for a lot of my fish tank items that I need. It will be a little bit more organized than uh, what the uh, system usually comes with. It was nice to, to put together something that was specifically designed for what you do on a nice little tray. So I, was, I was mine today. Fun. Chris? Well, um, I didn't do a lot this week, but I did do one simple thing. Um, my wife keeps complaining about how she leaves her razor in the cabinet and doesn't have it when she's in the shower. So I printed a little a razor holder so she, her razor will always be in the shower and she won't, when she forgets it, it's okay because it's already there. That's kind of neat. Well, how did you mount it to the shower? Um, well, I haven't done it yet. I'm still looking for a suction cup, but I'm just going to plug it to a little suction cup and stick it to the acrylic. I did find a little package of suction cups on Amazon. It's like 10 or 15 suction cups for 10 bucks. Nice. So, um, that's another project I haven't quite made any headway on. Uh, what I did this week was I finally finished my workbench. I randomly, um, decided that I needed a funnel for the coffee to go from my coffee can to my wife's more aesthetically pleasing coffee jar. <laughs> and right now I am building or printing rather, um, a, an insert to go in the drawer for the knives that holds them all lined up so that they're not banging against each other and getting bent and all that other fun stuff for nice. the, uh, for stick yeah. knives. So, yeah. Nice. I love being able to put together uh, little things that uh, can better organize our normal day-to-day -day stuff that we use. Oh, yeah. You know, like those, uh, salt and, those salt and pepper shakers I printed. It turns out that the lids for those also fit on the standardized aesthetic uh, spices spice bottles that we use too oh <laughs> nice they ended up being the same size and thread i just yeah. out, of out of coincidence <laughs> it's awesome because that means i can use that file to turn any of those into a shaker <laughs> that <laughs> works there you go. <laughs> that way you keep consistency i don't know about you but i need everything to be the same so it'd be good to print them all and make everything identical <laughs> That's actually kind of what's happening here, and I love it. <laughs> I just had a conversation with one of my wife's friends. She does; she's a nail technician, and she's got this big rolling tool chest that she carries around with all of her stuff when she goes to clients' homes. And she's like, "Is, is there any way that you can help me organize all these little glitter things?" And it's like, "Yeah." <laughs> I am almost certain that I can, <laughs> but once the design is done, she's got the thing and all she has to do is pull out the trays and she can show it all off instead of having the client dig through the bottomless pit of glitter. 
So nice. Yeah. And it comes off so much more professional when you can do that. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? All of that is a good roll in to our topic today, that which is why 3D. Um, why did you guys get into 3D? What was interesting to you about it? Well, Andy's had a printer for years, and I've been jealous. <laughs> that, that's the first and original reason. <laughs> I've always loved the 3D printer for being able to like fix things around the house. You know, it's it's in my little world. I've always looked at being able to program an app or something like that to make a program on the computer do what you want it to do. You know, there was always a a strong emphasis on you know, uh, emulating the keyboard and mouse functions to make other programs work the way you want them to work. And the 3D printer kind of brings that into the real world of being able to do that with the things around you. Something isn't working the exact way you would like it to work. Well, you could design a way to make it do what you want it to do using the 3D printer. And that's been priceless to me personally. I'll be honest, I was introduced to 3d before you got your printer andy but uh i definitely coveted the coveted the privilege of being able to create whatever i want when i want it yeah um i've always been ever since i first in, was introduced to it though i've kind of always been interested in the 3d or the the additive manufacturing but i think my introduction was Somebody 3D printed a castle out of concrete, hmm. like a livable castle, but it has structures that are not really easy to build. Um, and it just looks very whimsical and all of that fun stuff. And it's like, okay, yeah, this whole 3D thing is kind of cool. And then I learned, oh, I can have one. I wish I had money. <laughs> <laughs> and then they 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 got to be not too expensive, you know, this last year, which is why I picked mine up. Yeah, um, I actually got mine because I had a I got a little bit of a bonus at work, and my wife is like, "Buy your printer." I was like, <laughs> "But money has other purposes," and she goes, "Buy your printer." I go, "Okay." <laughs> Can't complain too much about that, I suppose. Twist my arm, babe. When your wife tells you to buy the toy, you buy the toy. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Another one of the things that I've discovered that I really like and why 3D printing is so much better is for making sills and gaskets. I really do think that's like a category all by itself. Being able to uh, just, just push out a seal of any shape that you could possibly need in TPU and how functionable that really is in the real world when it comes to sealing items up. Uh, I still am using a gasket I made for my lawnmower's bowl, a fuel bowl, that is working perfectly for the last couple of years here um, out of TPU. Uh, the other day I, I made a, uh, I was working on the shower and it was it was leaking and it was a, uh, a ball, um, what would you call it? A, a ball connector so you can uh, gimbal the uh, shower nozzle around. Okay. You know, the, the seal on that has got like a very concave shape to it, kind of an odd shape to be able to fit up against the ball. 
And I went and wound up printing one of those using the 3D printer. And I mean, something specialized like that, even if you were to keep a set of seals and things, like I'm sure we've all got our little uh, uh, boxes of different, you know, size O-rings and stuff like that. But, Not but none of the of the real specialty things and being able to you know why 3d well you can make even the weirder kind of seals and they, they just worked out perfect all of my projects are in wood so i don't really need a lot of gaskets and <laughs> I, I work on cars a lot and so actually those random gaskets would have been incredible especially when i was working on my old my old crx that has a carburetor you know getting the carburetors seal kits for those are not only expensive but it takes uh forever to get them because nobody has them have to order them from like chicago and, and the guy <laughs> has to go to the back of his shop and go oh hey i don't have this you got to get this from somewhere else so now you got to get it from canada or something it's yeah. insane <laughs> one downfall to that though would be temperatures you really got to be careful on temperatures when it comes to stuff like that you wouldn't be able to i mean you might be able to get away with a uh, like an oil pan gasket or something like that but um anything too close to the head i think you're gonna have you know there's a reason why they they don't make all the gaskets out of out of rubber right. and how they go to silicone and stuff like that that's actually what my question was going to be about um temperature resistance and pressure and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, what kind of pressure do you think a gasket made from TPU would be able to survive? Like obviously the bowl on your lawnmower isn't going to have a whole lot of pressure in it. That is true. And the shower one, you know, that only gets up. I think I'm pushing close to 90 PSI in the house. And so it's probably somewhere up there with, with no leaks so far, but um the quality of the gasket seems to mirror what you might find in, you know, like your normal rubber gaskets. I wouldn't be surprised if they function very similarly. I mean, all of our 3D printed stuff, we know if you're going to print something, it's going to be bulkier. There's going to be more mass to it to emulate the same kind of uh, strength that we need from our molded parts. So I right. know it's never going to be as good. But the fact that it comes as close as it does for the things we need really is impressive. Well, you also have to consider that um, the pressure it holds is also going to be dependent on how thick it is and how, how much pressure it has between the two surfaces that it's placed between. Good point. Um, there's, there's a lot of, of that aspect to it, too. But, you know, yeah, if you want a, a, a flat... A, a flat gasket to go between a bolt and you know somewhere gosh yes these will do it yeah like an isolation gasket or something like that where you slip between the bolt oh there's a whole other thing i didn't even think of that makes it an option that's brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was took that one away thinking, in the options bucket well, i was just thinking about how my crx again uh has uh half of the body on that is plastic and so it's it's held to the frame on with 10 millimeter bolts and rubber washers that are like this really odd size. They have to they're they're very specific and, and finding them in the store and whatnot has been very difficult again. But if I can just print as many of those as I want, body work on that thing is easy. 
And you're talking about cents on the dollar for the amount of rubber you're going to use for stuff like that, too. Cost yeah. is just so minimal. But I need to get me some TPU, but, you know, and I'm, I'm as much for printing toys as I am for printing, fu you know, functional things to improve my daily life. Um, so for me, I, I want to get some TPU for that soft rubbery deal so I can make myself a cell phone case that's very same day I buy a new cell phone. With your model of phone, they've got the CAD designs for it already. All you have to do is download that um, to print it off for your phone. Sorry, I got a little distracted there. We were talking about cars and I remembered Ford had something to do with customers being able to print stuff for their car. Um, it looks like what they've done is they've released a bunch of CAD files so that you can 3D print um, covers and components for your car. Um, and I do believe that down the road, the expectation is, yeah, we can sell you these parts or we can make them for you or whatever, but here's the files. You can do it yourself too. Yeah. And it occurs to me that, uh, there's a lot of little things like the little button clips that you have to buy for, what is it? 10 for a dollar at the auto parts store to nail everything back in. You can yeah. print off a dozen of them oh, for I'm doing almost that. nothing. Oh, yeah. I need to do that for my wife's car, actually. There's a couple of custom ones that you can only get for Honda. And Honda wants like 20 bucks for the set. <laughs> and so I just... And all it does is hold the plastic cover on her engine. It doesn't actually... It, it It's not actually functional for the car in the least bit. Yeah. So I can print those little clips off. And put it back on and make it look like it originally should. I know I usually break at least one whenever I pull off the inside cover on my door. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And by the second or third time that happens, it just doesn't go back on. So um, being able to print, you know, parts for that would be nice and convenient all on its own. Oh, yeah. Actually, you can find those on Thingiverse easy. So, um, I don't want to keep on talking TPU up, but for items like that, you know, even though TPUs are rubber, you print mm -hmm. it thick and it, it you know, if, if you're printing it solid, it's not very elastic. But I'll tell you what it is nearly indestructible. You, mean, you print stuff with TPU, you don't have to worry about it breaking. I guarantee a TPU clip like the one you're describing uh, printed. You know, with TPU versus the original one, the TPU one definitely will outlast the original molded version of those stupid clips. Guaranteed. This is why I'm going to move into a ABS shortly. I'm working on making an enclosure for mine. Um, but yes, I want to use ABS to do that sort of thing, to print those little clips and things, because uh, ABS is supposed to hold up a lot better. Well, an AVS, from what I understand, isn't so sensitive to UV as PLA is. And so it can be in like on your dashboard or something, and it won't degrade as quickly and be so brittle so quickly yeah. as uh, PLA would be. But that is that is one thing I'm concerned about with that project I did uh, two weeks ago. I showed it to you guys. 
it was the little key I'm key cover I made for my wife's car key. You know, there was nothing wrong with her car key cover or anything like that. I just wanted to make her a nice shiny purple one and she loved it. But I don't know how long that's going to last with uh, UV. So, I mean, I can always print another one and we have spare keys that she can use. So it's never really going to be an issue. But, um, you know, if I could print it out of something a little more durable in the in the future. Sure. Well, one thing to keep in mind, though, is that ABS really is being phased out of the 3D printing environment. There are things like uh, uh, a PETG has really come in to replace ABS um, when it comes to 3D printing. I would definitely look into PETG versus ABS before deciding to go with ABS. Uh, there is the up benefit, though, as nowadays ABS is really super cheap because nobody wants to use this stuff <laughs> compared to PETG. So that might be a benefit there, too. But So, so what's the comparison on uh, between the two? Do you need to have an enclosure for PETG? No, no. Imagine being able to... Okay, so PETG is just like ABS, but it's easier to print. It's got a lot of the same characteristic characteristics characteristics of abs yes um but uh ignores a lot of the terrible things like when it comes to the abs shrinking and stuff like that because abs is not designed to be 3d printed it's definitely designed to be molded and shrink as it cools that's a primary component of it and that shrinking effect just is terrible on 3d printers you have to heat soak like what you're thinking about doing with the enclosure the entire part during printing and compensate for the shrinking itself only to end up a with a component that is pretty close in um, uh, comparison to PETG, which doesn't have any of those attributes that makes it difficult to print. Now, wow. I, I know there's there's a lot of different things when it comes to, you know, um, uh, you know just the different characteristics of, of, of the plastic, but it is close to ABS compared to other plastics that you can get, you know, uh, like nylon and and what are some of the other slightly flexible plastics Acrylic. out there? Acrylic. I think that one is too. But yeah, uh, PETG is like the number two filament out there most people use. And they use it when you're thinking about a, um, a product that is going to be, or an item that's going to be like uh, used, not just a toy. Like PLA prints Beautifully. Well, let's face it, it's really only good for a, a good handful of different things, not very many mechanical properties to it. PETG right. is kind of like that next step up in, in quality. It's more difficult to print, nothing compared to ABS though, but the, uh, the, the quality of the plastic definitely outperforms things like PLA. But then there's a place for everything because PLA is good because it's so hard compared to PETG but that makes it brittle and, you know, easy to break. And there's the whole UV issue with PLA. That's absolutely terrible. It gets so brittle. It's not even funny, but super hard stuff. I, for the most part, have only wanted to print rigid form stuff anyway, like the brackets for my desk and, you know, the odd statue and that sort of thing. So it really goes back to what purpose do you get into it for? Mm -hmm. There were some cases, like little f folding lid cases, 
that I've been thinking about doing, and I can't do it with PLA because it's so rigid. Like a living hinge? Yeah. I, I wonder how much easier it would be to do it with PT, PETG or your uh, TPU. Yeah, both would, would do rather well for a living hinge. PETG can outlast things quite a bit. Um, living hinges with TPU is like, it's what it's designed for. It will outlast any other, it'll outlast a mechanical PLA hinge, guaranteed. Nice. So basically, you could get away with having a, a set of PLA, a set of TPU, and a set of PETG, and that would cover just about the whole range of just about anything you could think of your, to make, huh? That is 99% of what I use, all three of those. My go-to is always PETG or TPU, depending on the situation, and then I'll occasionally do PLA. But then again, too, I don't really print a lot of figures and things like that. You know, Some of my wife's cosplay stuff will be made out of PLA because it prints so much nicer than PETG does. Um, but when it comes to like toys and stuff like that, I always make them out of um, TPU because kids like to break things. It's so easy to break some of these plastics if you make them a toy, but you make it out of TPU and it's it's not going to break anytime soon. The dog can chew it up and it'll still be fine kind of thing. Oh, like that racetrack that uh, your kid left at our camping. Uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Little, little things like that, making them out of TPU makes them practically indestructible goes, oh, we need to get this back to Andy. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's not any big loss, but she, she, and she played with it for a second. She goes, is this, this isn't plastic. And I said, <laughs> nope, it's not. <laughs> it's even better. Andy made that himself. And she looks at me and she goes, you can do that. I said, I, I said okay, okay, one thing at a time. I'm working on something else right now. <laughs> yeah i finished one project and my wife adds two to the list my uh my next projects are actually end tables for the bedroom and the living oh, wow. room and the nice thing is is i already have the brackets designed so i just need to print them off and put wood on the top but nice. <laughs> oh the, the printing off is going to take long enough but yeah so oh yeah so going back to your structural thing so um, I came across something at work this week. Uh, so I, I operate a bandsaw to cut rough samples before I uh, fine-tune them in my CNC. And uh, so we have a little cutting rig that's uh, a, a V-shaped with little ridges on the inside of the V. And uh, it's basically used in aerospace for you know bandsaws, table saws, etc., um, and so we just 3d printed this at the printer at work, but the first one they printed last year, uh, only had a single layer walls and it was thin and flimsy and didn't do very well. It was thick, but it was still flimsy and didn't really hold up very well to me, you know, using it to cut up these tube sh tube like shapes. So last week, no, it was this week we got it. We got it printed. The engineer got a new one printed, and it was actually slightly shorter, but he increased the uh, the walls and the mm. 
uh, final layer thickness and the bottom layer thickness. And so he, he doubled up the walls and then doubled up the thickness on the walls. And then again, and that thing is solid. It is awesome. It's actually a little bit heftier too. And yeah, the, uh, when I was going through the QA stage for these brackets, you guys saw me, I was breaking them and all that. And it wasn't taking a ton of force to break the early versions. And so um, I tried adding not quite the full uh, uh, feature. What is it called? In the corner. The, um, the shell walls? Oh, the, oh, the brace. No, no. No. It's a word. And I'm looking at the wrong tool. Um, <laughs> bird is the word, man. So that you don't have the hard corners. Oh, the uh, chamfer. Oh, chamfer. Yes. That one. That word. Yes, that word. <laughs> or fillet. Actually, the chamfer is the square one, I think. The yeah, fillet yeah. is the round one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you were talking, have the fillet go all the way up to the top of the bracket and all the way out to the edge. And yes, the fillet is the round one. Um, and I resisted. I fought you on it. Admittedly, I, I, I wanted my idea to work. Um, but eventually I came up with a pseudo almost solution and it did break a little higher up on the bracket, but it still wasn't resistant to force the way I would like it to. So I just tried going to the higher uh, resolution setting in Cura and just doing that made it so it was a hundred times stronger. Well, not a hundred times, three times stronger. And so I went back eventually to the lower resolution and went from three walls to four walls and got the same tensile strength. Okay. So all the same dimensions everywhere else, just an extra wall in the print, and it achieved the same thing that going to a higher resolution did. When you say higher resolution, are you talking about the, uh, the thickness of the layers? Yes. Okay. I've played with that too, and I haven't noticed too much of a strength difference. It's all about like the amount of plastic that's being used. There's a little bit of that, but the main thing, um, the layer height changes for me from 0.24 to 0.12 millimeters, but it also, no, I use three walls, not four. Anyway, um, it was at two, and then going to the uh, the super quality um, takes it to three walls inside and or uh, inside and left the top layers and bottom layers at three, and just adding this extra wall made all the difference. I bet it's incredible how one small thing can make such a big difference, such structurally. And then I ended up watching another video after the fact, found a video online and the guy was talking about in a previous test, he had learned that just adding an extra wall added to the tensile strength enormously. And see, and that's what I do at work is I'm testing the mechanical properties of both the, 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 the bending and the ductility and the tensile properties of this. And so when there's variations 
out of tolerance from this material for like the 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 form and the shape you know these aluminum extrusion guys think well it's no big deal and i'm going yes it is a big deal because these walls are designed to you know squish in just a in, in a, just this specific way and if you change the shape or you, you one wall is thicker or thinner than than intended it does not perform as designed are you talking about like with crumple zones on a car exactly you know one of the things i would love to see them accomplish especially with kira because your kira is my slicer of choice and uh, there's a um, uh, what do they call it when you are printing on a on a on a z plane that isn't flat ah, there's a name for doing this it's just not coming to me but what one of the things i would love to be able to do is to have like a let's just say a, a two-walled shell and have each one of the walls printed at a couple of degrees different from each wall so that they are forming an, an X kind of shape as they print up. Because oh. our prints always tend to break on the layer lines. Mm -hmm. We can have two contradicting shells at different, you know, um, angles. So you're talking about cross-hatching your walls. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. one shell's like excuse me, you know, 10 degrees higher on, on one side and then the other shells 10 degrees higher on one side and just side to side. That way when they break, it always will have to break across layer lines and not along them. That makes mm -hmm. me wonder about the capabilities of those printers that only, instead of having a gantry like all of ours does that has the two um, parts that come up and the support at the top and then the car that moves across the other part cartesian got, our printers are called cartesian printers bed yeah. slingers but they've got a kind of printer i've seen a video uh youtuber uses that has basically three control arms for delta. the bed yeah and that's a delta that, printer. that would let you have the bed at any angle while it's printing i don't know if it's the bed or well, the the nozzle but either way it's at a different position, and then it's just a little adjustment to tilt the nozzle while you're printing as well. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, that it would. I'm sure there's a reason why they haven't done stuff like this. There's a, like, like let's pretend you're printing a sphere, and to have that last layer of the sphere printed as one solid plane instead of you know so the top layer of the sphere is, is a solid curved plane mm -hmm. uh, instead of you know straight straight line planes there are slicers uh, the slicer with the three in the middle of it sl or si3 er uh that one there i know somebody has made modifications to be able to do that style of printing but it was only a mod and i've only seen it on that particular uh slicer but I wouldn't be surprised if down the road we don't start seeing more of things like that. And then stuff like these, um, and that, that's all in the slicers uh, mechanics to be able to accomplish that. Then doing these like offset shells and things like that would be something that would be a little bit more easier to do with, with those kind of setups. Yeah, that would be cool. And then they've got another one that 
is a printer, but it, it prints on a belt. So yeah. you've got a belt coming down and the nozzle is at an angle anyway. And then it prints the layers at like a 45 degree angle and it can do a continuous print for the ever. Yeah, infinite Z printers. Those ones are, are pretty neat looking. I don't see myself ever owning one, but they're cool to watch. Yes, <laughs> yes, I agree. Almost as mem- mesmerizing as watching my own printer just go through the layers. <laughs> yeah. Zone out. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, the uh, second reason I got the 3D printer actually was uh, I wanted to print uh, bits and stuff for my old retro consoles, you know, stuff that's hard to get, uh, get hard to get and things like I could not for the life of me find a, uh, a port, a, a plate for the controller ports on my old NES. And um, I'm like, I can just, I can just make that myself. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but somebody put out a modern version of the old NES. You can get all the games on a little SD card that goes in the back, and it has the traditional NES square controllers that you plug into the front with USB and plug it into your computer with the... Uh, um, what video is that? It's uh, the common one. HDMI? Yeah, that one. Plug it in with HDMI and you play the NES games on your TV. That's pretty wow. cool. And all it, all it really takes is an Arduino and a 3D printer to make it look right and you're good to go. That's insane because I, I still have to use the old VCR in order to convert the put uh, from my Nintendo and my Atari to be compatible with my TV. <laughs> Well, and you do it this way, all you need to do is throw an emulator on the Raspberry Pi or Arduino or whatever you want to do and have the output be the HDMI and you're good to go. Well, it's still not the same as, you know, the the old original consoles, but... Well, you, you map, you create your own controllers so it looks right and it acts oh, right. I've, and Oh, I've done that, yes. <laughs> it's not the same as pulling out the old Nintendo cartridge and blowing at the bottom because you know it's dusty, even though that's not actually whatever that's not actually what's wrong with the Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that can be chalked up to uh the Mandala effect. Everybody <laughs> thinks that it works and so they just act like it does when it doesn't really change no. anything the act of what did make it work was popping up and down the cartridge, you know, yeah, it was the, in and out. Yeah. It was the it was ribbon like, cable in the back, wasn't it? Uh, well, it's not exactly a ribbon cable. It's a 72 pin connector and it connects the cartridge assembly to the PCB. And so, um, anyway, the contacts on that would, 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 would go bad or, and some of them were just poorly made. Um, they're actually real easy to replace. That's the first thing I did with my with my Nintendo, you know, when I started refurbing it. And uh, yeah, that fixed that that made it work again. It was hmm. nice. <laughs> yeah, they basically changed the female receiver from the NES cartridge into an expansion slot on a computer. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> you you cannot go from NES to PCI <laughs> in one generation. It's the same oh. technology. I'll get admittedly it's the same technology, but no. <laughs> Good deal. But why 3D? You know, it's uh it's changed my life having access to a 3D printer, that's for sure. Changed the way I handle things. I tend to print my way out of problems than anything else. <laughs> I've gotten there too. Kind of reminds me when I bought my first welder and how many doors that opened up. The whole idea. Oh, yeah. of Wouldn't it close printing. doors? Keep them closed? No, it was a, <laughs> well, we, a little bit of that too, you know, because Andy had an old Jeep. That you could literally flintstone because you know you, you're you're the hole in the floorboard was big enough to put your foot through, and Andy would come home absolutely soaked in the winter, you know from from all the snow and stuff that just got slush. And I I remember I was I was like Andy has a welder that's pretty cool. Hey, we can fix your floorboard with a little bit of sheet steel. <laughs> I guess the real question from there is how long did it take you to actually fix the floor though? Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, like two or three hour, hour fix. I mean, I didn't have any money to buy anything. I'm not talking about how long to do the job. I'm talking about what's the duration between you getting the printer and you fixing the floor. Yeah, it was like, it was the welder. Yeah, it was it was a little while. I think it had to really bother me quite a bit before I finally got to it. That's for sure. Wait a minute, you had things that were bothering you more than the hole in your jeep? <laughs> yeah, I had friends renting with me. What can I say? <laughs> um, <laughs> did you get all that worked out before I started renting from you? No, oh, most of it. Most of it. I think. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of miss you guys uh, all living with me here. It's kind of a little bit more lonely in a different way now that I've started a family and have everybody missing. But, you know, I keep on uh, finishing up my nearest print and running to the wife saying, Ooh, look what I did. Look what I did. And, you know, she's tired of hearing it. The kids are starting <laughs> to be tired of hearing it. So, Well, and my wife has started bragging about my abilities to all of her friends, probably partly because she's tired of hearing about it. From me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, check out what Frank does. And then I get to talk about all of my stuff and she goes and takes a nap. Well, it's hard <laughs> not to sit down for, you know, half an hour and design this, this whole, you know, component in CAD interlocking pieces and stuff like that. And then just have to keep it to yourself while you wait the next 24 hours for your printer to spit it out, you know? (laughs) I want to share it with people and because of all the work that goes into figuring that stuff out. And that's actually why having the the 3D uh, uh, the 3D uh, Discord has been really great for for us to say, hey guys, look what I did. And we're like, oh cool, what did you think about this? And what do you think about that? Throwing back, tossing back ideas, which has has been, you know, pretty dang cool. I think. Yes, I've really enjoyed that. That's definitely been a nice out for, you know, your accomplishments. Well, maybe this is a good place to call it then. Um, in the end, why three D is because we like talking to each other about the stuff that we do. 
complete control for the control happy part, you know, so the control happy sums of us that uh, want to con- control our environment now. Micromanage our lives. Yeah. All the little Actually, components that make it work. There's a podcaster I listen to that says, uh, declare martial law on your life. <laughs> oh, and it's like, I don't know. I have merit a lot on my life and it sucks. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a great experimental episode, you guys. Yeah. Um, let's make a point of keeping it up and maybe we'll get Kevin on next time for sure. That'd See nice. if we can keep him from doing family functions for one weekend. I really want to get his input because he doesn't have the Cartesian printer like we do. He has the resin printer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very different beast and getting his input is definitely enlightening. There's a lot of similarities from what I understand. I mean, it's still got parts moving in the Z axis. With the SLA, it uses UV to cure the resin just where it's supposed to add a layer and then lifts up the length or the, the thickness of the layer and cures another layer underneath that. So in that respect, it's actually very much like our FDM printer. But yeah, as we get into episodes and start having fun and all that other stuff, we'll uh, make sure to lean on his experience too. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, If you'd like to join the conversations yourself, you can do so in our Facebook group at Amateur 3D Pod. Until next time, we're going offline.